Good morning, everyone. Am I on? We good? All right, good. So I was on a walk with my two-year-old Ian the other day. It's been a pretty mild winter so far. Uh, you know, it was one of those 40-degree days, and Ian, the two-year-old that he is, you got to love toddlers running, too. Am I right? I mean, just the, I don't know, just, it's, it's a good time, but Ian's running ahead, and I'm on a walk, and he's running ahead of me, and I'm like, Ian, you need to slow down, you need to wait for me, and he's running, and he turns around, smiles at me, and then keeps running ahead, and I'm like, Ian, Ian, you need to slow down, you need to stop and come back, and so he stops, smiles at me, and takes off even faster, right, so he's just booking it, and I see ahead, there's a car backing out of a driveway, he doesn't see it, and he's just having a great time, and by this point, he thinks that Everything I'm telling him is a joke, right? Because I'm just, I'm laughing along with him because um, it was cute, right? But here I am uh, and, and I'm like, Ian, you need to stop right now. He doesn't listen. He doesn't hear me, whatever. So I run up and grab him just in time or it felt like just in time, probably wasn't that close, but got him just in time and said, you can never do that again. You have to listen to daddy when he says to stop. Now, what is the problem in this story? It's authority. Me not exercising it, and then him learning that he doesn't have to abide by my authority until I get really worked up. And I know that that's maybe sounds like a petty example, but if we do things like this over and over, it really sends our children down a, a path that, that isn't good and isn't godly. Last week, Ryan Graydon covered Colossians 3.21, and we're going to be covering the verse right before it today, Colossians 3.20. So if you can start turning there in your Bibles, your apps, if you have it. But Ryan talked about encouraging our kids. He talked about not provoking them to anger. And, and Ryan has four teenage girls. Okay, So he naturally um, spoke more towards parenting older kids, which is great. And that verse is actually uh, designed that way, and we designed it this way as well, because that's his wheelhouse. That's what he's living right now, right? I have three kids aged two to eight. So my, my message is naturally going to be geared more towards parenting younger kids. But this is just the beauty, though, in plurality and teaching, having several people teach, not just one person every week, is you get to hear from people at different stages of life, with different perspectives. So, um, you know, it's been, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's been a lab of sorts for me the last two and a half, three weeks in this message because, you know, you go to college, you, you take the course, but then you have to do the lab, right? Well, I had both going on at the same time because we were quarantining because um, my wife had COVID. We're all good now. Thank you for all your prayers and support. We got lots and lots of food. If anyone likes Diet Mountain Dew, I've got some for you. Um, I like the regular stuff for the record, um, but um, no, but, but seriously, I'm sitting, we're, we're in quarantine. I'm going, okay, I have to work on a message on parenting. And here's what I concluded. Parenting is really, really, really hard. So I'm going to tell you some things today from God's word that I've tested in the lab and have found to be even harder than I thought. 
There were things in this message that are not in it anymore because I tested it in the lab and went, nope, that was just me being optimistic. So um, I'm going to try to stick to God's word here, give you the principles, but just know as I'm sharing a bunch of stories, because that's been my life lately, and I'm sorry if I'm a little squirrely today because, well, I haven't been with people until now, so it's really good to see you all. And I'm, and I'm also an extrovert, so add that to it, and it's like, yay, I'm out of quarantine. So here we are. I, I'll, try, I'll try to keep it focused. Um, I'll try to keep it clear. Um, maybe pray for me to that end while I'm speaking today. Um, all right, two main points we're going to see from Colossians 3.20. And the first one is this. Teach your kids they were made to be under authority. Teach your kids they were made to be under authority. Colossians 3.20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Teach your kids they were made to be under authority, under your authority as parents. This verse here is addressed to children, but it's actually not intended to be addressed to children as much as for parents. And here's how I know this. By the time kids would end up reading this verse, have the ability to read a verse, right? Have the ability to read it all or or be able to hear this verse and comprehend it and then apply it, it's going to be too late, right? Parent, kids need to learn to obey long before they can read a verse and comprehend and go, I should be, obey my parents in everything. This is meant for parents, to help parents realize their role. We need to teach our kids that they are made to be under our authority. Your kids essentially need you to teach them that you're in charge, And this isn't in a heavy-handed, dictator-type fashion, I'm in charge. This is in a freeing way. This is how it works best. This is how God designed it. His loving, good authority is in our lives. And because of that, he put me in charge of you. And that authority is loving and good. That structure is loving and good. But even before that, we need to teach our kids that they are under God's authority. They are under God's authority. This is the first great lesson to teach your kids. If you walk away with nothing else, walk away with this. Teach your kids that God is in charge. You have, parents, the authority to act on behalf of God. You have the authority to act on behalf of God. Ted Tripp, in his book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, which I have right here, I think it's one of the best, uh, I think the best, in my opinion, a book on parenting there is out there. So if you want this, you can have it. I have another copy in my office. Uh, it's not marked up. It's COVID-free with Pepsi AC, I promise. Um, but if you want this, if you promise to read it, it's yours before you leave. But um, Ted Tripp, he says this. There's tremendous freedom here for a parent. When you direct, correct, or discipline, you're not acting out of your own will. You are acting on behalf of God. You don't have to wonder if it's okay for you to be in charge. You certainly do not need your child's permission. See, what he's saying here is we can have confidence in our authority as parents because our authority comes from God. 
We don't get our confidence because our culture says, you're the parents, you're in charge. We don't get our, we don't get our confidence from, from ourselves going, I'm the parent, I'm the mom, I'm the dad, I'm in charge. No, ultimately we get our confidence from God because he has said that we are his agent in parenting. You have the authority to act on behalf of God, but it, it doesn't end there. You have that authority, but now feel the weight. You have the responsibility to act on behalf of God. Not exercising your God-given authority in your child's life is teaching them that God is not in charge. Not exercising your God-given authority in your child's life is teaching them that you aren't in charge and not exercising God's given authority in your child's life is teaching them that who is in charge? Anybody. They are, right. And they're not. And it's not designed to be that way. When I was preparing this message, one of my kids came up and asked for a cookie, for a snack. Um, thank you, by the way. We received lots of cookies from people, and it shows. But we got, we got a lot of cookies, and it's great. We all love cookies. Um, but one of my kids comes up, hey, can I have a cookie? Now, here's the Yoder household rule on snacks. So if you're ever at our house, just know this is, this is the standard, okay? Um, you have to have a healthy snack before you have an unhealthy snack. You don't have to agree with that rule. That's just our household rule, okay? Um, but grab a banana before you grab the cookie. That's, that's the rule, right? Grab some applesauce. So um, I had a choice at that moment. I could say, hey, um, sure, go ahead, have a cookie. Or I could say, hey, remember, you're supposed to have a healthy snack first. We've got some applesauce and we got some kiwi. We got, you know, here's, here's the healthy stuff we got. Now, if I had chosen to just give them that cookie, I would have been teaching them in a subtle way that they are in charge because they know the rule and they're trying to get around it. But if I say, hey, remember, we need to have a healthy snack first, I'm teaching them in a subtle way that I am in charge. In subtle ways like this, we have the responsibility to take up our authority that was given to us by God every day as parents. And if we shirk that responsibility regularly, if I did that over and over and over by age eight, nine, 10, they're gonna be the boss of the house. And by the time they're teenagers, it's gonna be out of control. Let me say this again, and parents feel the weight of this. You have the authority to act on behalf of God. So be confident in that, parents. And you have the responsibility to act on behalf of God. So walk in it, live in it. Now let me give you some practical tips here for teaching your kids they were made to be under authority. First one, expect obedience. Expect obedience. Um, we have a, a, a little child song on a, a CD, for those of you who knows, knows what a CD is. Um, we have this little child song that goes, because slow obedience is no obedience. And I can't remember the rest of the song, but I love it and let them listen to it all the time because then they can teach my kids this over and reinforce it over and over. But delayed obedience is not obedience. And we need to follow through with this, though. And here's how you follow through with this. And, and this is the part we don't like as parents, but this is what has to happen. If we're going to expect obedience, then we have to discipline our kids for disobedience. Now, I'm going to just give you a real quick dive on 
disciplining your kids and knowing full well that several weeks should be spent on this if we're gonna, if we're gonna do it properly. That's why I recommended this book. He has some great uh, practical how-tos on this, but I'm just gonna give you a quick dive and I'm gonna, I'm gonna anchor it in Proverbs 3, 11, and 12. And I've got that on the screen for you. It says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. So what we learn from these verses is that we are called to discipline. God does it. So why wouldn't we? And we also learn that the goal of discipline, though, is to move towards our kids and not against them. That is so critical. Discipline is moving towards them, not against them. You're not trying to get back at your kid for making life uncomfortable and uneasy for you. As as tempting as it is, almost every time that I go to discipline my kids, that's not the goal of discipline. We We want to help wake our children up to the reality of their sin so that they can experience then the Savior. Ted Tripp puts it like this. If correction orbits around the parent who has been offended, then the focus will be venting anger or perhaps taking revenge. If, however, correction orbits around God as the one offended, then the focus is restoration. There it is. It's beautiful. A God-focused, a God-centered approach changes the whole ballgame. When we, when we say to our kids, when we teach them, hey, it's not about you when we're disciplining them. And it's, it's, not, it's not about me. It's about God ultimately. And this is great for life in general as a follower of Jesus, just to remind ourselves regularly, hey, it's not about me. It's not ultimately even about the people around me. It's about him. This means that there's very little room for your anger here, parents. If you're seething with anger, how are you going to point them to the Father? How are you going to represent the Father? We need to discipline our kids with a God-centered approach. Now, your method of discipline, I don't think has huge significance. Um, In in his book, he suggests that... um, that spanking is a good approach based off of some verses in Proverbs, and I would agree with that. Um, but I think we all know that that, that only, is only for a phase of life, right? It'd be kind of weird for you to see you spanking your teenager. We, we would have a conversation if I saw that, actually. Um, but things have to change as they get older, and depending on the situation, I think there's different forms of discipline that can work, like Heather's method the other day at home, um, this is the, the big shirt method, okay? They were fighting. So she just said, hey, here's a big shirt. Get in it. Okay, parents, this was actually pretty effective. I, I had my doubts when she pulled it out. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to lead to more discipline. But it didn't. Um, they were laughing, um, kind of. It was kind of a goofy thing. Like it brought some, like some levity to it, if I remember it right. But um, yeah, we were in quarantine, so Joy got some pink hair. It's a good time. But Um, anyway, the method doesn't matter as much. What matters is your approach. Parents, here's the deal. You need to reject your sinful tendency to fight or to flight when it comes to disciplining your kids. 
So which way do you err? Let me put these scriptures back on the screen. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. Are you more the fighter when it comes to disciplining your kids? You're like, oh, he is going to get it, right? Are you like that? Because if you are, you need to cling to Proverbs 3.12. The Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. See, you're moving towards them because you love them. You delight in them. And right now, they're not delightful. And this isn't a delightful thing. But ultimately, this is an act of love. The Lord disciplines out of love. Or, you, or do you err more towards flight? And there's a lot of parents like this right now in our world. Ah, oh, it wasn't that bad. I'll discipline them next time, right? You need to cling to Proverbs 3.11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. You need to realize you have the responsibility and authority to take that up. Expect obedience by following through with discipline in a way that moves towards them, not against your child, and ultimately points them to God. That was just the first one. Second practical tip for teaching your kids to be made under authority. Talk to your kids about the beauty and value of authority. And really, when you do that, you're actually talking to them about the beauty and value of God. Parents, we must we must remind them of the why. We have to remind them of why we're expecting obedience. And, and I would encourage you to try to do this when you see the disobedience start to brew before it's even full-blown sin. Reach into the child's life. Have a conversation with them. The other day, um, Brandon, he gave a dis- disrespectful grunt at me. Parents, you know, you know what this is, right? The, mm. Ask them to do something, mm. So I cut that off right there. And I didn't move to discipline yet because it, in the situation, it wasn't there yet, at least in my opinion and in, in my mind. But I, I, so I got down on his level, eye to eye, or even lower, which is really effective, by the way. You get down on their level and you go, okay, I don't know if you realize this, Brandon, but what you just did, that, that little grunt was actually disrespectful. And it actually is saying, no, without saying no. And you know that saying no to mommy and daddy is not all right. And here's why. Because we're in charge. And we're in charge because God put us in charge. And things are going to work better if you just listen and obey here. So why don't you make a good choice? That time he happened to listen to that and follow through. It doesn't always produce like angels after conversations like that. A lot of the time it doesn't. Okay? This isn't like a miracle powder for your, for your parenting and your discipline. No, what this does, it instills in them the value and the beauty of authority. And over time, for some kids, it takes a lot of time. Other kids, not as much. They're all different, right? Over time, they're going to start to learn that. Now, this is different than just correcting behavior. You're going after their heart. So, again, let's say I go up to uh, my child, Brandon, and I'm like, hey, um, can you empty the silverware out of the dishwasher? Can you, can you put it back in the drawer? And he goes, sure. And I say, okay, well, if you empty the silverware out of the dishwasher, I'll get you ice cream. 
He goes, well, yeah, I'm doing it. And he just goes for it. Or I could take the approach, hey, Brandon, can you please empty the silverware? And he just goes, all right, dad, and does it. See, when we, when we choose behavior modification, and I'm not saying bribes with kids are always bad. Okay, I think there's a time and a place for it. Not above that. But I think if we do that all the time, if we do that most of the time even, it's behavior modification with bribes, with threats, with fear. And here's what you're doing. It's like taking a tree, stapling some apples to that tree and going, look, it's an apple tree. No, it's not. And your child will continue to grow up and their, their heart will still not be changed. Their heart will still not see the value of authority. They just saw the value of ice cream, not the value of authority in their lives. It's not deeply instilled in their hearts. Now, let me just give you a caution. You probably don't even need this caution. You know it. This approach takes immense time, energy, and investment. But isn't your child worth it? Aren't they worth that investment? We need to be reminding ourselves all the time that our kids are worth this type of investment. And if we do this now, we're paying dividends in the long run. If we, if we invest in them by teaching them the beauty and value of authority in their lives, it's going to be much easier than trying to rewire them when they get older. Think about it. With, with a, a child every, and with a person, every relationship, every occupation, every area of life is impacted by a person's view of authority. So it's, so it's critical if you have kids, especially if you have young kids, invest now. Taking the time, the headaches, the energy to teach the value of authority is more worth it than investing in their sports and extracurricular activities. Taking, taking the time and the headaches and pulling your hair out to teach them the value of authority is more worth it than the money you invest in their electronics and in their toys. Taking the time, the headaches, the energy to value, to teach them the value of authority is more worth it than, than making life comfortable and easy for them or for you because this affects them the rest of their life. Third practical tip for teaching your kids they were made to be under authority, recruit help from others. Recruit help from others. Teachers at school. You know, one, one of my kids' teachers this year sent us an email and said, hey, um, this child has been doing fantastic with their schoolwork, just leading the way, but they've also been really helpful to me and really uh, kind to their peers. And I responded and said, you know what? That's great. That's great that they're doing great academically. That's cool. I am, I am even more encouraged by her character. Well, I just gave it away. By Joy's character. I'm even more encouraged by that. And here's why. Because I know that I need the help of teachers. So I was saying to this teacher, essentially, I, this is great, but I, keep telling us about this because this is what really matters. And if you, you have a teacher who is a, a believer, encourage that teacher to talk to them about Jesus. Even in public school, they're able to do that if you give them permission. It's been an incredible blessing. We've been blessed with some teachers 
who are believers where they can just help us instill these values, these biblical values in our kids. Babysitters. Recruit the help of babysitters. Tell them, hey, I'm going to get a report on their behavior when we get home. Tell your kids that too, but tell the babysitter that and then get it. Get a report on it. I mean, that's where the rubber meets the road, right? On how they're doing with valuing authority in their lives. How are they doing with other people? D6 teachers here right now, beautiful opportunity to reinforce the value of authority. Because now it's not just mom and dad. This is a church family. This is something bigger than mom and dad. This is God's design for family, clearly. Because here, we're all working towards this, teaching our kids the value of authority. Fourth practical tip, pray for your kids' salvation. This happened yesterday to me. When you are, when you are at your wit's end, when you're just... When you are just about to lose it with your kids, they just won't listen. They won't do what I'm saying. Stop, pull back, and go, God, I pray that you would change this child's heart because what they actually need is the Holy Spirit. What they actually need is a, is a brand new heart, a brand new life. Remember in Romans, we were going through Romans. In Romans 1, we learned we're all terrible sinners. Romans 6.23 says, though, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So let that be just, just like a signal to you when your kids are just out of control to go, God, save them. What they need is Jesus. Yeah, they need me to be a good parent, but I'm going to fail at times. What they need is a Savior. Pray for it. Let that be just, a, just like a, a warning light, a check engine light in your parenting to pray for their salvation. Second big point for the morning we get from Colossians 3.20. Answer your kids' why before they even start to ask it. Colossians 3.20, again, it says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now this verse's answer to why obey is that it pleases the Lord. But that answer presupposes that your kids already value pleasing the Lord. And they don't come out of the womb with that value. So we need to start instilling this value in them before they even start asking why questions. And maybe for you, they've already started asking why questions, but it's never too late. Why obey? Why please God? Why, 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 why? Kids love asking that. But it's not too late to start answering that at any age. But if you have young kids, you have a unique opportunity to get a jump start on this. Answer your kids why before they even start to ask it. Here's how you can do that. Do it by, asking your, by teaching your kids this. God is actively involved in their lives. Why would your kids want to please the Lord as it says in this verse? Because they realize that God is actively involved in their lives. Psalm 34.8 I think is an overlooked parenting verse. It's not directed exactly towards parents, but I think it's incredibly helpful to parents. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. See, this verse, the second part, reveals a lifeline. A lifeline for, for your parenting. Take refuge, shelter, rest in him when parenting's really hard. And you can also teach your kids to take refuge in him. But it also reveals the secret sauce to parenting. And that's in the first part. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You, it's your job to help your kids see that God tastes fantastic, that God is amazing, that God is good. We need to point out how God is actively involved in our everyday lives. Now, here's what happened. Literally what happened while I was typing this out on my paper, preparing for this message, sitting on my couch. My oldest, Joy, AJ, walks up and goes, hey, dad, what you doing? You know, I'm working on a message on parenting. And she's like, can I help? I thought about it for a second. I looked at where I was at. Point out how God is actively involved in their everyday lives. I was like, yeah, what, you want to type? She's like, sure, can I change the font? So she used pink and green and all these weird fonts that I could hardly read. But um, I changed them for the record. But um, she made a list. I said, Joy, I want you to just write down, I want you to type out things that mommy and I do to help point you to the fact that God is actively involved in your life. She came up with an incredible list. So here you go. Here's Joy. Um, pray every night. It's a simple thing, but it reminds them God is involved here. We're praying regularly. She said, just go with God's plan or just go with it. We tell her that a lot. She's kind of the warrior type. So we're like, just go with it. And Heather and I are not the planned out type. So you could see how that creates some tension. So we're like, just go with it, Joy. Okay? God's got a plan. It's all going to work out. And so that's what she said. Just go with God's plan. Another way, um, ask for help from God because we know he's with us. I couldn't believe it. This is totally unprompted. Like, she's just saying this. I didn't realize we were doing that well at teaching her that. But ask for help. When, when we're in trouble and other people are in trouble, we're going to ask for God's help because he's here with us. He's there with them. And then the last thing just made me so happy as a dad. She said, she said, we know that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And so I was like, well, is that actively involved? Because that happened 2,000 years ago. And I, I pressed her on that a little bit. And she goes, no, it, it is active because I sin every day and I need forgiveness every day. And I'm like, yes, Joy, just, you got this. You know, get up there Sunday. But it's incredible what they're picking up. And you don't even realize you're teaching them these things, but, but, be, be intentional with it, right? God is actively involved in their lives. Taste and see that God is good. Or would, your, would your kids sit down and be able to say that and more? And I'm not saying that to elevate me. I'm just saying, man, as you do this, as you give them a vision of God that is so beautiful and good, they will pick up on it. And if you don't, they won't. Why would your kids want to please the Lord? Well, first, teach them that God's actively involved. Second, teach them that God cares about them personally, individually. You help them see how much God cares for them. Seize opportunities and conversations with your kids. The other day, Brandon was watching uh, 
Weird But True. It's a show on uh, Disney+. Plus. Um, it's actually really educational, too. So don't tell him he's not in here. Um, right? He's, nope, he's not. Um, it's really educational. They learn a lot of uh, cool things. I learn a lot of cool things while I'm watching it with him. But um, he learned that there are more stars in the sky. There are more stars in the sky than there are grains of sand on the earth. That blew my mind. But I think Heather did this, not me. So I'll give her the credit. But she goes, hey, Brandon, do you realize that in Psalm 139, it says that God has more thoughts about us than the grains of sand on the earth? He goes, oh, that's cool. You know, kind of his brand, he, you know, he's not too uh, worked up about those sorts of things. But it was a good opportunity to just seize an opportunity in conversation to go, you know what? God really cares about you more than you can imagine. Literally tell them this as well. Not only that God loves them, tell them that, but, but do you know who loves you more than I do, more than mommy does? God does. God's actively involved in their lives. God cares about them personally. But let's flip this a little bit. This verse says in Psalm 34, 8, Blessed is, or, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Why would your kids want to please you? Because they see that you are good. And here's how you can do that. This. Here's how you can answer the question, why would your kids want to please you? Do it by actively being involved in their lives. This is, this is like duh, right? This is duh parenting advice. But I'm telling you, it, we went around a connection group the other day, um, and we said, what, what's just one piece of parenting advice you would give? And this is the one I picked. And I framed it like this, get off the couch, this is the get off the couch parenting rule, especially when they're younger. I think this is so, so, so important. This can't be overstated. You're investing relationally for years to come in your kids. If you can't play a game with them, sled with them, answer their questions while you're going to bed, then why would they want to obey you, much less God? Think about it. What are you teaching your kids about God if you're not actively involved in your lives and just always over here on your phone? You're saying, God's pretty disinterested in me and distracted. It's that critical. Pour yourself out, moms and dads. God didn't make you a parent to waste away your life ignoring your kids. He made us parents to sacrificially get involved and especially do that after a long day. There are long, hard days. I get it, but we are called by God to pour ourselves out as parents. Parents, if you're not tired at the end of the day, if you're just not totally beat because of everything in your life, plus parenting, once you get them down for bed, then you're doing parenting wrong. It should be exhausting. If you're not exhausted by it, you, you got some work to do. I remember we were at, um, we were camping uh, a couple summers ago, and our kids were out, it was at a lake, they were out swimming, and we were with some friends, and I, I remember they went out, and they, they went swimming, and we're just sitting there tired, because if you've ever been camping with kids, you know what I'm saying, it's after the first night, you're just 
dead because you didn't get much sleep. They didn't get much sleep. It was rough, but they're out there, and I'm sitting there going, I just want to lay here. But then I think it was the Holy Spirit going, Matt, no, you're never going to have your kids at age two, six, and eight again. And you want them to remember this experience at this beach with you involved. Get out there. So I did. I came and sat down, and my friends were like, wow, how'd you get the energy to do that? And I go, I just know that time is short, and I know that being actively involved in their lives makes a world of difference. Why would your kids want to please you? Because you're actively involved. Secondly, because you care about them personally. Again, it seems simple. But do each of your kids taste and see that you are good? Do you say you love them and then say it a million different ways to them? Every single child craves and needs to hear and experience something like Jesus heard from his dad when he was being baptized, Matthew 3, 17. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Robert Lewis, in his curriculum, Raising the Modern Day Night, said it like this. Every son longs to hear three powerful and universal affirmations from his dad. One, son, I love you. Two, son, I'm proud of you. Three, son, you're good at blank especially from daddy. Dads, this starts with you. Your role is really, really weighty. You wouldn't believe the amount of people sitting in my office who have father wounds because they didn't hear these sorts of things from their dad and experience these, these sorts of things in their, with their dad and it's just messed them up, wrecked them. But moms as well, not just dads, if they don't hear clearly from you, I love you. If they don't hear clearly from you, I'm proud of you. If they don't hear clearly from you, you're good at blank. They will reach out for that from someone else in ways that will destroy them and you as a parent. One final thought on answering why your kids want to please, would want to please you. Shane Roethlisberger, who's a pastor over at Cornerstone that I really look up to, said this, and I'll never forget it. What look do your kids see most frequently from you? The look of delight or the look of disappointment? What look do your kids see most frequently from you? The look of delight or the look of disappointment? Now, I think I've piled it on heavy enough, so let me end this message by saying this. There is grace for the process. While I was working on this message, I hate to admit this, but at supper the other night, one of my kids asked me for a drink very politely. Can I have a drink? And I just went off and went, stop asking for things. And it crushed them, just crushed them. And so thankfully, I I listened to Ryan's message last week and felt guilty from the Holy Spirit. So I went back and apologized, and they forgave me, and we moved on. 
But here's, here's the point. I am not a perfect parent. You're not a perfect parent. And we're not going to be. But there's grace for that. There's grace for moments and days like that. We need to work hard at teaching our kids the beauty and value of authority, God's authority and ours. We need to work hard at convincing them that God and you are worth pleasing. But at the end of the day, when your head hits the pillow, even on your worst day as a parent, you're forgiven. His mercies are brand new every morning. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace in parenting. We saw a lot of things today that are just convicting and hard to live out, but God, thank you that at the end of the day, it's not our works, even our our parenting works, that save us or get us our our status from you, God. No, we, we are forgiven and free because of what you did, Jesus. So thank you for that. Help us to apply that, the gospel message, to our everyday lives, to our parenting. And God, I pray that if, if there were some things said here today that you want to use to help parents parent in a more godly way, that you would do it. God, I pray that we would walk out here today empowered, encouraged, strengthened, built up, and that we would tackle this week in your strength, not our own, and see our kids fall to their knees in worship of you as they walk through life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>